This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus. And we have a great show coming up today. Lots to get to on the Canadian Football League. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers, they get ready to host the Toronto Argonauts on Friday night. The Hammer himself, Jeff Hamilton's coming up in a few minutes. We'll actually get into a little bit of Jets talk with uh, with Jeff Hamilton. Jeff, of course, will be uh, working a lot of, uh, well, all over the sports pages, the Winnipeg Free Press going into the fall, focusing on the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We'll talk to him about Neil Pionk's arbitration date later on this week and what he's hearing as far as what might be going on behind the scenes as the team and the agent tries to get a deal done. And then we'll talk Bombers and CFL. And if you missed it yesterday, or I guess it is today, um, Jeff's got a great new column in the Winnipeg Free Press with all of his thoughts on everything going on in the Canadian Football League. Um, if you haven't seen it already, you can go to freepress.com and check it out or check out his uh, site or his uh, Twitter feed at Jeff K. Hamilton and uh, get the uh, get the link to it. But lots to unpack after week one of the Canadian Football League. And of course, the Bombers, they look to go 2-0 and against Ryan Dinwiddie, former Blue Bomber quarterback, who's now 1-0 and as a rookie head coach in the CFL. Uh, we'll also talk some football, both CFL Maybe a little NFL and indoor football, dare we say. Longtime CFL star Manny Arsenault is going to join us. And <clears throat> Manny is down in Texas playing a little indoor football right now and staying in shape in case he may get a call to uh, go back up north of the border at some point in the CFL season. Uh, so we'll check in with Manny Arsenault. And then a little bit later on, Chris Peters with a little hockey talk. He's just finished up the uh, Ivan Hlinka tournament. We'll uh, discuss the uh, prospects going into next year's draft and also get his thoughts on Chaz Lucius and the other members of the uh, Winnipeg Jets draft class of 2021. Uh, as always, big thanks right off the bat to our wonderful family of sponsors here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, including Canadian Club Whiskey, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Paramount Services Limited, Not Auto Corp, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and of course, our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Let's bring the CTO in on the program. Remo, how you doing? What is up? Are you ready to go? I'm I'm always ready here, Huss. Come on. Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm starting to look ahead to week CFL week two. I saw the DraftKings salaries, no lines yet. I think we'll be guessing them at the end of the show, but... Uh, I'm in a great mood. You know, weather is cleared up. It's nicer. We got our rain, which was which was awesome. But um, yeah, just a nice, nice summer day. Looking forward to a, a great show. Another great week of shows coming up. Yeah, you know, we do have a lot coming up. And uh, I guess first things first, and I'm not sure when this will happen, but, you know, we're certainly hoping to get Desiree Scott on the program at some point over the next few days. Uh, but welcome back to the golden girl of Winnipeg, uh, Desiree Scott and her Olympic gold medal from the women's soccer stepped back at the Winnipeg James Richardson Airport last night. It was great to see a uh, large welcoming committee for Desiree. And, you know, <laughs> I got thinking last night, Reem. I mean, there's been so many incredible pictures of Des with the gold medal on the field. Um, you know, we've been talking and watching her 
you know, grow to an Olympic champion over the course of, well, certainly nine years since 2012, but even longer than that, back to her days as, you know, growing up here in Winnipeg and starring for the Bison Women's Soccer Program. I, I, let me just put this out, Reem. If the Golden Boy ever gets cancelled for some reason, I think we know what can go on top of the legislature. The Golden Girl, and that would be Des Scott. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll vote for that. And why not? And I think this is a conversation that we had last week. You know, when you see the welcoming uh, she got at the airport, I saw CBC had a nice, uh, nice article, got some quotes from her. But, I mean, in terms of, you know, the Mount Rushmore of Winnipeg athletes, um, you know, now with the uh, gold medal, I think you have, On to, it. have to put her, uh, put her close, close to the top. I haven't done my official rankings, but uh, I would think that she's top, is top 10 for sure. Top five Winnipeg. Athletes? Oh, she's on it. She's yeah. on it. I mean, if, 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 if we're talking a Winnipeg Mount Rushmore of the top athletes and mm. achievements ever, I, I mean, to be honest, and uh, you know, Terry Sawchuk is a guy that's name comes up a lot. You know, he did have the NHL shutout record for a long time. I mean, he played in an era where he certainly was absolutely incredible. Um, but you know, his career was cut short um, due to problems that he had off the ice. And it's actually somewhat of a tragic story. Um, he certainly was incredible, but I, I have to say, I think Desiree Scott is on it. I think Jonathan Taves is on it. I think Cindy Classen is on it. And I think Clara Hughes is on it. I mean, to me, that's the four right now. And I would have made an argument that Desiree Scott was actually already on it before they won this gold medal. But to 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 cap off that international career with her third Olympic medal, the first ever gold medal for Canada ever in the global game. Um, it, it, you know, I, I, I've spent a lot of time over this past week or so, you know, thinking about this and always with a big smile on my face. I'm sure I'm not the only one that still somewhat get butterflies just seeing, you know, the girls come back with their gold medals and how happy they are and how that brought this entire country together. And people are still buzzing about it. But I, I have thought about the, the, you know, the significance of this victory and where it stands. And the more I think about it removed from the game, usually recency bias you know, you'll kind of get more perspective. Uh, the more I think about this, uh, the path that this group of women went to win the gold medal and the fact that Canada has never been an Olympic or a soccer power overall worldwide, um, for Christine Sinclair to get things going, to inspire another generation of young women that have grown into the Olympic gold medalists, um, it, it's hard to really even compare this victory to anything else, Reem, because our greatest team victories are, of course, in things like hockey on both the men's and the women's side. And in those events, Canada was always the top dog. That's the team that people were coming to get. I mean, the soccer, it couldn't be more different coming from basically an also-ran and an afterthought in international soccer um, and now being on top of the world. So uh, there's so many great things coming out of this. The legacy that Desiree Scott is going to leave in Winnipeg and would have left even before winning a gold medal was so significant. That's the other thing that, you know, I think really goes you know above and beyond. I mean, she's a kid's sport ambassador. She's working with the Homeless World Cup. She's done a million soccer clinics and whatnot for younger kids. I mean, I know Cindy Clausen was involved in speed skating and Clara Hughes was, you know, an incredible humanitarian and did a number of things, but again, was away from Winnipeg for a long time. And, you know, Jonathan Taves, 
phenomenal player. Um, you know, has been in Chicago most of the last 10 years. Has come back into the odd summer and done, you know, an event here or there, which has been great. Desiree Scott is always here in Winnipeg and reps this city like none other. So, I mean, to me, the more I think about it and talk about this out loud, Remus, the Mount Rushmore of Winnipeg athletes might start with Desiree Scott, and then we can figure out everybody else. Yeah, there, there. You, well said, Huss. Well said. You, you've convinced me. <laughs> and um, again, the I think you see the outpouring of support. I think the max viewers for a Friday morning game was like four point four million. The one thing I've seen is you know Soccer Canada is now like scrambling to come out with merch. People, are like, we want to buy jerseys and stuff and like they finally uh i saw the coach and other players tweeting out hey we actually have now have a twitter account for canada's women's national team they didn't have one until now so uh, i think all of the i mean i will say i mean i've been very all over you know twitter for years following the women and it's all done through canada soccer so it's canada soccer en for english i assume they have a canada soccer fr and it's not just dedicated to the women it's dedicated to the men's team it's dedicated to the junior programs and it's all in there um if you're looking for anything to do with the canadian women's team it's just simply hashtag can wnt and that will come out but i am with you the the more uh, presence that they can get on social media beyond things like Twitter. Um, and listen, the girls, like the, the women on the team uh, have done an incredible job, whether it be through Instagram, whether it be through their TikToks, whether it be, uh, you know, through Facebook, you know, putting together behind the scenes action, you know, that we've actually been able to sort of follow along and celebrate with this women over the last couple of weeks, because to be honest, Remus, and I know things are weird with the Olympics, but I mean, I spent a good 24 hours after the game, just scouring the net, looking for interviews, looking for reaction. And there wasn't a lot with the exception of Stephanie Labbe and Christine Sinclair doing a four or five minute hit on CBC. So I think a lot of that's going to change now that the women are back here with their gold medals and going to take a very well-deserved victory lap from coast to coast right now after winning that Olympic gold. Yes, uh, definitely. We'll see that gold medal out and about, I'm sure, be doing tour. And I guess, you know, we're talking with Sean Fitzgerald on Friday. Like, Will this be a moment that changes, you know, the perception of soccer in Canada? Is this the thing that launches a women's pro league? I mean, they're trying to get a women's pro hockey league but i think what it's been proven has is that you know people are going to wa- want to watch uh women's sports and there's definitely a market for it when you see the number of people who tune into can- you know canada hockey and canada soccer uh women compete on the world stage and you know, speaking of that, actually we're going to have i think we'll have the women's worlds this month uh, from calgary for hockey so uh a lot on the on the women's calendar coming up here well, and and it is so great that that event is going to happen because, I mean, we all remember um, Halifax was getting ready to host it and the Maritimes had been in a very nice spot COVID-wise as opposed to the rest of the country and really the rest of the world. Um, and a big part of that was the geography. Uh, but things got a little hairy a little bit before um, that all, you know, the tournament started and ended up being canceled. And I think a lot of people thought that, that was going to be it. So... I'm just happy, much like the Olympics taking place, albeit without fans, I'm happy that the athletes were able to get an opportunity to compete and uh, certainly we'll look forward to uh, probably another amazing matchup between Canada and the United States battling it uh, battling it out for gold. Although, 
we have seen a number of the other programs, you know, get better. Um, and it wouldn't be the worst thing to have maybe one of those two teams not win. But uh, with it being in Canada, let's make sure our Canadian team is in that gold medal game. And uh, it'll certainly have more eyeballs on it if it's Canada, USA, because that has turned into one of the truly great rivalries in all of sports. I'm speaking with good news. Hometown stories, Remus. Brady Oliveira, Player of the Week in the Canadian Football League. Hard to imagine a better way for the young Winnipeggers' first ever CFL start to go on a historic and very special night at IG Field that ended up with uh, him leading the Blue Bombers to a big victory behind uh, all that meat on the Bombers' offensive line. Oh, yeah, and he was a huge part of, uh, you know, icing that win there in the second half. Uh, 22 rushes, 126 yards. Hey, chipped in with the receiving game too. Two catches for 21 yards. First start in the CFL. Remember, he came back. Uh, you know, his first game before. You know, the previous season broke his ankle, and what a comeback for him! Another hometown guy at running back, replacing the other hometown guy, Andrew Harris, who's out with injury. So, uh, what a story! By all accounts, you tweeted the video of him with uh, rescuing some dogs. Is that? Do I have that correct, Hus? Absolutely, yeah. If you if you have not seen that yet, uh, if you want to go back to my Twitter feed on Saturday, I guess there's a there's an account called the Dodo, uh, which I think is one of these accounts that just you know it tweets out videos and feel good stories, uh, you know, try to give some positivity in a in a format that unfortunately has more than its fair share of negativity. And the video, I mean, the video just said this guy went and saved a bunch of puppies from under the house in the freezing cold. And if you look at it, well, it's Brady Oliveira. So I tweeted it out saying, if you're wondering what Brady Oliveira is up to when he's not bulldozing the Hamilton Tiger Cats, check this out. And uh, I think a lot of people hadn't seen that story, remembered it from the winter. Um, but it's, I mean, it just speaks to the young man that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have on their squad. And you know, we'll focus on what he does with his helmet on the field. But it's already quite apparent that we've got a pretty great guy in the community. And um, Bombers did a great thing. In, and so much of this goes back to Kyle Walters. By the way, we didn't properly celebrate yesterday, Remus, a very special anniversary. And no, I'm not talking about the Gretzky trade. I'm talking about Joe Mack getting fired on August 9th of 2013, which undoubtedly, as we sit here today, with the Grey Cup in Winnipeg, was the beginning of the turnaround. And Kyle Walters did a couple of great things right off the bat. He focused on rebuilding that offensive line because nothing was happening if the quarterback was flat on his ass every play. And the other thing that he did was embrace local talent. And, um, you know, signing Andrew Harris could be, I mean, I, I would, maybe I'll, we'll get Joe Piscucci on, one of the great bomber historians at some point to talk about where that signing ranks in the most impactful free agent signings the football team's ever made. It's certainly right up there. Um, but then having more and more local players come in, I think it's been huge for connecting the football team with the community and revitalizing the fan base that had, you know, gone a little bit impatient over many years of all that losing. Uh, it made the team a much more likable team that was more connected to the community. Um, but at the end of the day, these guys could all play. And um, no better example of that than Andrew Harris. And now, as we've said, the secession plan is somewhat here. We hope that Andrew Harris will have many more great games going forward in his career. But they do have a guy behind him in Brady Oliveira that proved in week one that he was more than capable of being up for the job if need be and was uh, rewarded by the Canadian Football League today in start number one of his career. 
Yeah, the other players, uh, player of the week, the two, uh, you know, what a DB and a linebacker from Ottawa who shut down Edmonton and Trevor Harris, even though he passed for, uh, what, 330 yards through a couple picks, including pick six. Uh, Abdul Kana and Avery Williams. So watch over Ottawa's defense, Huss. I mean, we were all saying that they were going to be terrible this year, weren't going to win any games, but there they were with the upset of the weekend. You were mentioning the guy who had the Toronto-Ottawa parlay. Won a, I still can't believe that. Won a grand on it. Uh, so <laughs> what a bet. What a bet. And uh, no lines out yet. I'm still waiting. I have I have dove into the um, DraftKings salaries for this week. So my, my brain is already working on CFL Week 2, where we'll get our first look at the Montreal Alouettes. I'm curious how they're going to look. I wrote um, you know, the acronym for Vernon Adams Jr. in the chat uh, yesterday. That I was very in on Vag V A J, and um, <laughs> some people, some people in chat didn't didn't know what I was talking about. Even though you were talking with Justin Dunk about about him, so I know he was good last year. He ran the ball. He can throw deep. He's got some uh, very solid receivers. So uh, we're diving into the CFL week two. Also, you know, talking bombers. One other thing too, I know you're going to bring it up with Jeff. Counting down to Neil Pionk's arbitration hearing. It's on Friday. Will we get a long term deal before then, or? Will we be uh, holding our breath throughout the weekend as we await the details of uh, another arbitration <laughs> hearing for the Jets? I remember the cop one. I think the cop one was over a weekend, too, if I recall. Yeah, the, the date escapes me, but I just remember the interview with Andrew Kopp on the program after the arbitration and how frank and honest he was about the entire ordeal. And I think everyone is hoping that's avoided for both players for the best interest of both the team and the player. Um, just before we get to Jeff Hamilton, uh, we um, some great comments on our, uh, our our discussion about the Mount Rushmore of in ranks in the, uh, the Mount Rushmore of Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg athletes all time. Um, I mean, Ducky certainly would be a guy, but again, he's not from Winnipeg. Um, you know, you know, Ducky, Solani, some of the guys that did things. I'm more talking about Winnipeg natives and what they've done on the world stage. Um, certainly lots of love for Des Scott. Jen Jones up there, right there. I mean, curling is, now it is an Olympic sport and she's the greatest of all time. I think she'd certainly be in that, in that category. Um, you know, I already made the case for Des Scott. I mean, I think Jonathan Taze with the Stanley Cups and the Olympic gold medals, sort of, he gets on that list. Um, and then to me, it's just very difficult to knock off Sydney, Cla- Cindy Classen and Clara Hughes for what they accomplished um, Olympics and worldwide. Now, Clara Hughes, I believe first athlete ever to win multiple medals in the summer and winter Olympics. So uh, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough discussion. And then you get into, you know, Mark Stone, certainly he's had a great career and you know was a guy that has been, you know, we would mention when we're talking about it, but pretty hard to jump over any of those other ones. Um, so anyways, you can get your thoughts on that. Hit us in the chat, hit us on Twitter. If you're uh, listening to this on the podcast at sports talk WPG with your four, the Mount Rushmore of Winnipeg athletes, uh, and see what you see, uh, see what you think. All right. Jeff Hamilton's coming up. I cannot wait to get to the game on Friday night. I will see you all in around the Brugal Ramahat, the Jim Beam Stillhouse, and that great social area. And maybe we will have to uh, cheers a Canadian club or two. Great to have Canadian club on board as our official spirits partner here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which you can get, can get at the Jim Beam Stillhouse, at the Brugel Rum Hut, and throughout 
IG Field when you get there on a Friday. Get the great taste of Canadian Club, best in the biz since 1858 at your local liquor marts. Or maybe we'll cheers one out at IG Field coming up. Really looking forward to having Canadian Club on board. And we're going to have some very fun giveaways and promos with them throughout the bomber season as we get going in. Uh, Also, our friends at Royal Sports. Now, Remus was just talking about some of the Canadian women's soccer players saying, you know, there's a huge run and demand on Canadian soccer merchandise. A lot of people are late to the party. One place that isn't is Royal Sports. They have been, uh, you know, your number one headquarters for pretty much any sort of merchandise. Now, they do have a great selection of Canadian soccer gear right now. We showed a couple. You can find out more. Check their Instagram page at Royal Sports Pembina uh, for it more. Now, I don't believe they've got the individual players' jerseys or gold medal champs gear yet, but if they get, when they when it's made, it'll be at Royal Sports. But right now, you can go there, get suited up in your red and white, celebrating the Canadian women's soccer victory, and of course, your blue and gold for the game on Friday night as the Bombers host the double blue of the Toronto Argonauts. And while you're there, check out the bike selection, all the camping gear, exclusive new limited edition Yeti merchandise as well. It's all there at Royal Sports, 650 Rallying EK, 750 Pembina Highway. And uh, only appropriate that Hammer's coming on right now because Nick of Nick and Nicky DQ, a great friend to both of ours. I know Hammer's had the odd blizzard as well. I have been digging into uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the treats that you get, the Dilly Bar, uh, the Buster Bar, which is my new favorite as well. But there's n- no substitute for popping into a DQ and grabbing a blizzard and maybe one of those ultimate grill burgers as well. Do it tonight. Do it on the weekend. It's hot right now. It's great ice cream weather. Nick and Nikki DQ with DQ Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, and Dairy Queen St. Anne's. And you can follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba and order cakes right over social media, and they'll be ready for you to pick it up. All right, let's get down to business. We're going to talk a little football. We'll talk some hockey and much more with Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. He joins us now. Hammer, what's up? How are you, my man? Huss, always a pleasure, man. Always doing well. How are you doing? I, I'm doing great. Hey, I'm going to spring this on you. And I know okay. we did not plan on talking this, but I got on a bit of a roll at the beginning. I'm just, mm-hmm. I know I still, like so many people, I'm honestly basking in the glory of this Canadian women's Olympic soccer matchup. I don't think, like now, I mean, I remember how happy I was with the with the Grey Cup win, but there was almost a sense of relief in that, that it had been so mm-hmm. much so long coming and we don't have to talk about not winning it for 29 years anymore and and being there was so special but I mean we're now three four days away and maybe it's the fact that we haven't heard from a number of the athletes but I mean if there's one of those women on the uh, on the you know on my social media screen or on television you're immediately fixated we're trying to get as much as we can from these stars and it got me thinking Desiree Scott now, as Olympic gold medalist in the worldwide game with Canada, being with the team from 2012 all the way here, her and Christine, Christine Sinclair, the only two holdovers, I will make the argument that she is, I mean, if we're putting together a Mount Rushmore of all-time Winnipeg athletes based on accomplishment on the field, uh, importance to the city, certainly what they've done within the community, and then performing at the highest level on the world stage. To me, she's on it right now. Other names that I had, Jonathan Taves, Cindy Klassen, Clara Hughes, with some very, very other um, you know, worthy people probably just missing the cut. Um, just thoughts on Des, that win, and uh, where she ranks amongst the uh, most important, impactful athletes in the history of our city. 
Oh, man. Um, so I will make an argument that there is no argument that she starts. She's the number one person on that on that list. I mean, even though all those all those people you mentioned, accolades are great. Awesome. If we're talking about a true Winnipegger, we're talking about a true human. We're talking about somebody who um, is someone we want to strive to be on the pitch and off. She's the number one by far. So to me, Desiree Scott, I mean, as you mentioned, the gold obviously puts her in a, in, in a conversation that very few Canadian athletes can have. I mean, obviously there's lots of hockey players, Jonathan Taves included, who have, who captured gold at the Olympics, but you know, just what, just her journey. I mean, anyone who's familiar with Desiree Scott, I mean, the accolades are clear, right? Whether it's the Olympic medals, whether it's her representation for Canada, whether it's her representation for, you know, her time at the U of M and, and go further, we're, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, community club soccer and where she grew up. And, and, you know, I mean, on top of that, like, I don't know if you guys, know much about her pre her her most recent kind of obstacle and that's not the olympic games it's it's helping her family um out in one of the worst situations that you know they've been put in with her with her foster siblings and her her brother i mean she just came like you know she juggles so many things and a story came out a couple months i i'd ask any of these you know listeners or, or viewers to to go check it out i mean she just she's it like she's the person that um, gets it. She loves Winnipeg. She's a great ambassador. She works for kids sports. She's going to be part of the Tobis center, this new child advocacy center that's coming in Winnipeg. She's just always willing to help and drive and all those things. So, I mean, you, you got me on a segment here to talk about other things, but I could probably do two segments on Desiree. Well, so could I, so could I honestly, and, and there's part of me that doesn't want to change the subject to talk about other things, but I feel like I've been talking about it nonstop since 10 a.m. Friday morning. Yeah, I tweeted this out, Huss, earlier. I said that the city and the province doesn't do anything to roll the red carpet out for. I mean, and I, I made mentions about schools, streets, stuff like that. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, let's recognize this person. We are lucky to oh, have that's, her that's as happening. our that's, person. I mean, that's not even a question. That's yeah. not even a question. It's it's how do you do it? I mean, I don't know what Mike Wynn. I mean, much like Cindy Classen has... The, uh, the Cindy Classen Complex, which uh, is sort of the home of our speed skating program, um, I will tell you that with, and I think Desiree Scott, to be honest, has been a big part of the growth of soccer. I mean, it's, oh, it's more than that, but she has been, the amount of work that she's done in the community with all that has been huge. We've got that incredible new soccer complex that I'd never been in before I went to get my shot. What a great facility that is. Uh, I don't think you could possibly have a more logical name for for that event. Um, but whether it's a street, as I said, if the Golden Boy ever gets canceled, we got a yeah. Golden Girl that can get up on there and it'll look pretty 100%. damn good. <laughs> Go digging in those skeletons. Um, let's uh, before we get to the NF, uh, the CFL and the Bombers, let's quickly mm. uh, touch on the Winnipeg Jets. Um, what do you make of the Neil Pionk situation? We've got an arbitration date. This is not abnormal. I I don't want to bring this up, making it sound like there's you know, you know problems. But there is a deadline, and deadlines usually get things done. Um, you hearing anything? And and how do you see this playing out, Jeff? Is it going to be something that uh, can they get Neil Pionk done long term? Uh, the biggest thing for me when I look at this is how all these crazy deals for top defense so it might have changed the conversation and the ask right now, and totally. the realistic nature to get something done long term. Michelle Dale's been very good at doing this in the past. But man, the market sure took a, uh, there's been a lot of sticker shock, shall we say, with some of the numbers that defensemen have been signing, certainly on the top end. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to predict what's going to happen because there's a history with the Winnipeg Jets of going to arbitration. No teams want to go to arbitration, right? I mean, anyone that knows anything about arbitration or anyone that heard Andrew Kopp talk about his experience, it's not a positive one. You sit in a room, you make a case of how good you are, and your team, your employer, makes a case about how not as good as you think you are. So somewhere, you know, and then they find a, a number somewhere in the middle and I'll speak to cop because I mean, he called the experience a bad one. You know, he, he didn't like it. He didn't like what was being said. Now he's in a significantly different situation this time around. And his isn't for, uh, you know, at least a, another week or two or whatever after Pionk. Um, but you know, we know that the jets are willing to go that route. Now, are they willing to go that route with, with arguably their best defenseman? I guess we'll wait and see Um, You can negotiate contracts leading all the way up to those negotiations. And I think you can even get out of that before a decision is made with the deal, if you will. But uh, as you, as you mentioned, Huss, I think it's an interesting situation for Neil Pionk and you'd have to be, if you're the Winnipeg jets, you have to be banking on a couple different things. One, Neil Pionk doesn't come across as a guy who it necessarily, you know, needs a whole bunch of money or plays for money and all that stuff. He's a real unassuming guy. Now his agent might be all about the money. So that, that might contradict any kind of, you know, personality traits that, that we see from him on a daily basis covering the jets. But um, you know, he's also not made a ton of money. You know, I think he's made $8 million, I think in total in his career. So he might look at, you know, like his long-term future is, you know, that's a lot of money, whether it's 6 million or, or, or higher, you know, that's a lot more than, than the $3 million he's made the last couple of seasons. So there's that thing to consider. There's, there's considering, you know, he likes it in Winnipeg and, you know, you look around the league and you can't really get top dollar, you know, you can't really get your market value every player in order, you know, Otherwise, you won't be able to fit in under the cap. So how much of a team player is he willing to do? But I think the biggest one for me is Josh Morrissey's contract. You know, you can look at the Zach Wierenskis. You can look at the Darnell Nurses. And Neil Pionk isn't either of those guys, you could argue. You could argue he's got, you know, he's better at some things. You know, he certainly logs a lot of ice at at 24-something per game. Um, The reality is, though, is Josh Morrissey makes $6.25 million. So is that a nice area to start with? Can you get a little bit higher, maybe you know, stroke that ego as being, as being making more than Josh Morrissey. Um, I don't know, but I, I do know that, you know, he's a guy that you're going to want on your team. He, like I said, he logs a ton of ice time. He led the, he led the jets in, in points and, and hits um, on the back end. So, you know, this is a guy that you want. He's, he's an all around kind of player. And, um, but the reality is it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation for the jets too, because you know, what happens in this deal or what happens at arbitration, or they might be looking at arbitration so they don't have to go too heavy just so they have enough money to fit Andrew Kopp into the, in the equation. So that's the reality is if, 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 you, if you're looking at a, a Neil Pionk and you think that he's going to get seven or North of seven, then I don't think you can just given what the, the jets uh, you know, salary cap situation is. And unless they're willing to do a little bit of roster surgery, I don't think you can sign Andrew Kopp to a deal. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what the Jets' strategy is. You know they don't want to do it. They would like to get kind of their price, um, but they also might use it as an opportunity to limit just how much money um, you know, they have to pay him. Yeah, the, the, the one thing for comparing it to the Morrissey contract that is a little tricky is that mm-hmm. the Morrissey contract was signed two years ago. Yeah, I mean, the, just the inflation that we've seen of defensemen over this. I mean, what wh- what is six point two five for a defenseman then now seven five? I you know, well, would especially you if we're talking about seven eight five? Years. <clears throat> Well, would I do that? Mm-hmm. Put it this way: I think after this last this last season, I think there'd be some questions about it. But 
you know, it, that's revisionist history. When this deal was sure. signed, they thought this is the guy. He's going to be on our top pairing. We want him for the next eight years. We are committing to him. And this was a fair market deal to to buy all those years of unrestricted free agency. For sure. It seems that the value of those UFA years has gone up significantly. And it's important to note that all of this contract beyond, you know, what the term remaining of team control, if it's long-term, would be UFA years. And with the exception of Kale McCarr, who got nine mil a year coming out of his ELC and certainly deserved it, all of these other deals that are pushing nine plus are mm-hmm. top pairing defensemen that are playing a ton, but they're buying unrestricted free agency years. And I'm with you. I mean, I don't think Neil Pionk's in that nurse category, but he's certainly in the Morrissey category. And I think if you were having that same conversation with Josh that you did two years ago, having it today, based on everything you knew then, the number's not getting to 6.25. I mean, the prices have gone up. Timing's also curious, right? Like we're talking about a Friday deadline here. So we might not even be talking about Friday. It might be in this afternoon. It might be tomorrow. Sure. It might be the next day. And we might, you know, it might just be a moot point. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know your value. You want your value. You want as close to your value as you can. I, I do think, you know, you mentioned all these contracts going up and up and up. And, and that's certainly the case. One thing that isn't going up is a salary cap. So, it, you know, to me, it's one of those things that the Jets like Neil Pionk, Pionk, uh, seems to like the the, Winni- the Winnipeg and the Winnipeg Jets and playing here and all and, and everything that comes with it. So I just my gut tells me something's going to get done. I think it's if the Jets go to an arbitration, I think that's disappointing in the sense that even if it does warrant a um, even if it does warrant a lower price tag for for Pionk for a year or whatever, I, I do think that it. I do think it creates a reputation and the Jets already have kind of a reputation as being tough negotiators. So you know if it's going to be difficult to to, to, you know, sign your own players is probably going to make it even more difficult to attract others from other places, despite, you know, obviously the offseason they've had. I mean, money talks, right? I mean, yeah, that's, that's what that. we're talking about. But you know what? I mean, they, they mean, tough negotiators are being fair negotiators. I mean, they've had one player ever go to ARP. I mean, it was Andrew Kopp. It was Kurt Overhart's guy. How many Winnipeg um, Jets? Yeah, I imagine that dressing room were unhappy with their paycheck. I don't know. Well, let me ask you that. Mark Shifley, probably 100%. Like, you know what I mean? I, you know, there was efforts to, there's been efforts to lowball guys, and then there's guys that you just absolutely wouldn't take. No, hey, wait a second. You know no I mean? one forced these guys to sign. Absolutely. I, no, I mean, they no, went, yeah, hey, whoa, whoa, I'm whoa, in. Whoa, 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 Let's whoa. go. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying they've been good at it, but I just think there's a, I, I would you know, say that's it's a slippery any, slope. Is all. Any player that signed an eight-year deal three years or four years ago that's a top player in the league that's looking around now, I, I don't think that's unique to Winnipeg. I think that's well, literally any place in the Mark NHL. Well, I'm not suggesting going around huffing and puffing about his contract, but when he looks around the league and he looks at his points totals, he knows what he left on the table, and the negotiation the next time around is he's going to be looking to to, to get that back. 100%. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that would be, I mean, look, what's Nate McKinnon thinking right now? I mean, it's the exact same thing, right? I mean, you know, if you're a I'll young Nate McKinnon, eh? you saw that <laughs> list of things he demands, like, holy <laughs> smokes, I, you know, like, I don't know if I, if I was a free agent, I'd be looking to go there, but that's, oh, you know, that is don't get is. on his wrong awesome. side. I'm a, I huge, love... I'm a huge Nate McKinnon, uh, you know, fan of his game, obviously is tremendous. No doubt. Well, one of the great, why you are one of my favorite guys to have on is we can, you know, we can talk about this, Scott, we get an update on the jets and now let's dive right into the Winnipeg blue bombers. Mm-hmm. Heck of a night. Um, and, and I'll tell everyone, if you haven't already go to freepress.com uh, or the, uh, the actual hard copy of the newspaper, because Jeff's got a great new column, uh, the CFL rundown 
Um, but first off, Bombers, your thoughts mm-hmm. on Thursday night, everyone packing that place, 30,000 fans, banner going up, and then the team going out, led by Brady Oliveira in the backfield, giving up only six points to the Hamilton Tiger Cats and a very impressive win as they uh, try to run it back. Yeah, I think there was plenty to like. I thought of all the all four games over the weekend, I thought that was the cleanest one. You know, I thought it was the, you know, the best tackling, uh, the fewest penalties, fewest kind of mental errors, things that you would expect from um, from teams that, you know, had a nearly two year break and then didn't have any preseason to kind of work out any kinks that existed. So, you know, I thought the Bombers were impressive. I say in my, you know, as you as you mentioned, my column, I, I was surprised to see them as three and a half point dogs. I don't think that was fair or accurate, obviously. And especially given Hamilton, what they were able to do with uh, um uh, or sorry, what they had on their roster. You know, they had a number of key players depleted on both sides. Mike O'Shea said the exact same thing after the game and then echoed it yesterday um, following the first first practice of week two. So, you know, uh, plenty to like. I mean, you mentioned Brady Olvera. I mean, he's, a trem- you know, what a tremendous debut for him as a starter and, and, and eases some of those concerns about, you know, how how is this team going to survive with uh, without Andrew Harris? Obviously, I thought one of the big things, it wasn't a big throwing game for Zach Caleros, but man, I thought he was a gamer. I thought he, you know, he extended plays with his legs. He, he, he trusts his receivers in ways that we never really saw with Matt Nichols. He threads the ball through small windows. And um, I think it's going to be really exciting to see what he does this year in front of that O-line. And of course, the defense. I mean, you want to talk about question marks? Like, we were talking about the secondary when you lose two guys like Winston Rose and Marcus sales, who had very, very, very good seasons in 2019. You replace them with two rookies, both of which have never played in a CFL game. And all those things I mentioned about no preseason, yada, yada. I mean, that, that was impressive. I mean, it starts at the front four. Obviously that push is great. You look at guys like Adam Big Hill and they played great. John Charles Rockamore, who was in for Kyrie Wilson gets an interception. Um, I thought Mike Jones played tremendous and, 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 and knocking that ball away and Jonathan Kongbo, obviously, picking it up it was just it was uh it was really like an extension of what we saw through the four uh the three playoff games and and you know ultimately was the big reason why they won i mean you look at some of the some of the, i mean the fact that jeremiah masoli even with you know braylon addison and devere posey and don jackson out and chris van zeal you know for them to be limited to six points and to get that on the opening drive and then not touch a point for 50 something minutes i mean that's that's impressive um, obviously the one takeaway I would, I would put in that game would be the kicking game. I mean, uh, you know, Tyler Caprine is not a rookie. He's been in this league for five seasons. He knows, you know, the pressures of being a kicker, but the reality is, is during warmup, he was, he was falling way short from 50 five, six yards short. So to not be able to trot your kicker out there for, you know, 52, 45 and 48 yards, um, is you, is unique to the bombers over the last years, obviously having Justin Medlock, that sure foot, um, they were able to get away with it in week one i don't think that's something they're going to be able, they're going to be able to leave nine points on the board every week so um that's one thing i keep an eye on but as far as first impressions goes man i think the bombers are uh, right up there with the best teams in the league after week one for sure jeff what does the performance of brady Oliveira do for the offense going in um i mean i think everyone hopes that we'll see a healthy andrew harris back contributing to blue bomber wins but he is 34 years old right now there's a lot of tread on the tire um, for Oliveira to come in and his first start and perform the way he did um, for Buck Pierce, for Mike O'Shea. Um, how do you think that might affect their thinking going into, you know, the next period of games as this uh, season gets underway? 
I think it, I mean, I think it changes a lot of things, or at least it just strengthens up things that they were hoping for, right? I mean, you need a running game. Obviously, that big question about Andrew Harris wasn't just because he was the leading rusher for the last three seasons. It was because the offense just seemed to go through him, you know, like whether it was receiving, whether it was running, you know, this offense would only go as far as, as Andrew Harris would take them. So naturally, with him out of the, the lineup, even with Zach Calero saying, you're wondering, okay, how do you establish that run game? Because if you become a one-dimensional team in the CFL, you're pretty easy to defend. What Brady Oliveira's performance does for this offense and this team moving forward is they 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 demand respect out of the run game. You know, he you know you look at uh, Davis from um, Jagger Davis from Hamilton for him to you know a great 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 defender in this league for him to come out and say that uh, you know. Brady is is a kind of guy who could be a future star here. He's got such potential and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, that endorsement's massive and it's going to ripple across the league. And just, you know, he brings a special energy. He brings an energy very, very similar to Andrew Harris. Like when he, when he get, when he busted for a big run for a first down or when he got that 21 yard catch on third and long, you know, the guy got up and looked at the crowd and you could feel it. Like, you know, you could feel his energy. You could feel his passion and, and you want that out of your runner. You want that in your huddle. So um, I think it's just going to do more marvels for this offense and and you know it's going to free up receivers you know you got a guy like Kenny Lawler who had a great uh great game in week one you got other players that you know Darvin Adams is probably not too far off from returning um and and Nick Dembski I mean Drew Wolitarski all the receivers you know what I mean like Rashid Bailey like there's a there's like an experienced group here so just adding another piece like that and not having to worry about it um, is a big thing. And the last thing about it is Andrew Harris can rest. You know, he can, he, there's no, there's not as much pressure for him to return if they're getting the results. There's way more pressure if he comes out and it's a 40 yard performance and the Bombers lose, right? It's all of a sudden, well, where is Andrew Harris? His team isn't going to do anything until Andrew Harris is back. So it allows him to kind of go through whatever he's going through and get back top notch. Because at the end of the day, once Andrew Harris is, is uh, healthy and ready to go, he's the one you want there with uh, what seems like a very great future with Brady behind him. It goes without saying with the star power of Andrew Harris and what he's done for the Bombers over the last few years, he's the sort of guy at the top of the injury list that everyone talks about. But mm-hmm. I would offer that Darvin Adams might be more impactful, the loss of it, because you know, you've know you got a guy in Oliveira that can go in and do what Brady did in game number one. Mm-hmm. There's not quite a guy that stretches the field like Darvin Adams when he's out. When Darvin comes back in, how different does the uh, Bomber offense look? You know, I think it looks more dangerous, obviously. It frees up. Like, I mean, you didn't have Darvin Adams and, and Kenny Lawler was able to get open. And the thing about Darvin, too, is that he had great, he has great chemistry with Zach Claros dating back to that great cup run. So you know that that chemistry is on. So it just makes them more dangerous. I mean, it's as simple as that. You, you take a guy who's proven to be a thousand yard receiver multiple years in a row, had an off 2019. So, you know, there's a bit of a chip on his shoulder here to regain some of that magic and they just become more dangerous. That, that's ultimately what it is, is, is you bring in another weapon. It's like bringing in um, it's like Hamilton getting, Devere Posey back or Hamilton getting, you know, Braylon Addison both had better numbers um, than Darvin. But again, veteran leadership, veteran guy who, you know, is going to be a, a prime target in this offense and, and ultimately frees up other guys. Cause you know, whether it's Andrew Harris, whether it's Brady, whether it's, you know, Kenny Lawler in this case, I mean, eventually these guys are going to, the guys, these guys have reputations where they're going to get, you know, seek a lot of attention, throw another guy in who seeks attention. And there's only so much attention you can pass around. <laughs> Jeff Hamilton for the Winnipeg free press with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily. Let's talk about the other games. I know you like me spent the entire weekend in front of the tube, welcoming back the Canadian football league bombers played Toronto on Friday. 
They'll be hosting a 1-0 team. Ryan Dinwiddie gets the win in his first start as head coach and does it on the road in Calgary. Bull Levi Mitchell was 11-0 against the Argos going into that mm-hmm. game. What were the takeaways from uh, the big win from the double blue? Should we be more impressed with Toronto or more concerned that this Calgary team is um, not like the one that's been a 500-plus team for the last 15 years? Going into this game, just kind of reading up on them in the preseason, doing kind of, I did a, you know, a full season kind of look leading into each team. So I got a chance to kind of dig into to rosters and obviously just with the, the break and CFL in general, there was so much turnover, particularly on, on Toronto. They bought a team, right? They bought a bunch of names. They bought a bunch of guys from Calgary and, you know, Calgary coming back and kind of dissing them and saying, oh, you know, you needed our guys. Well, damn right. They needed your guys. That's the reason why they took them, you know, like, you know, they were garbage in 2019 and then they they, they realized a bunch of guys in Calgary weren't going to get the money that they warranted. And they were like, we'll pay you and come to Toronto and yada, yada. And then you beat Calgary at home uh, week one. So, but the question I had heading into the game was, are these like for both teams, like, are they good? Like, cause you know, we, we always, we look at Calgary and it's just, you know, rule them out at your own peril. It seems like that every year they just recycle, but they're the youngest team in the CFL this year. And Bo Levi Mitchell, to me, this past week, when he doesn't have the weapons or he doesn't have the confidence in the weapons around him, um, looks like he looked in the West final last year. He looks beatable. So even though, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell came out after the game and said, you know, I didn't really think Toronto didn't did anything to win. I tend to agree with that a little bit. When you look at the fact that they had a uh, turnover and Calgary had a turnover on downs on Toronto's three yard line. They had four field goals within 30 yards. Um, You know, they had a fumble in late uh, midway through the fourth quarter that led to that tying touchdown. Um, But that just takes away the credit from Toronto. At the end of the day, you know, Toronto, it looked like they, their defense were going to be so undisciplined and they were going to gift wrap this thing to Calgary. And then once that fumble happened, it kind of uh, flipped a switch. McLeod Bethel Thompson, I thought was great in the first drive, great in the last eight minutes. I think there was plenty to be desired um, in those pieces, but, um, and I don't think it's enough necessary to supplant Nick Arbuckle if he's ready to go week two, but it's a great start for them. And it's a great, it's a great news for the rest of the West because you have Calgary losing against Toronto. You have, Ham- you know, you have Hamler. That's not, that's not relevant. You have, uh, what was the other one? You had, yo, Calgary Edmonton losing, Toronto. losing Edmonton to losing Ottawa. Ottawa. Right. Sorry. I'm <laughs> drawing a blank there, but like that, the real winners are everybody else in the West because the, the East won 16 of 40 games against the West last year. And like half of them, seven of them were, were from Hamilton. So to get Ottawa, to get Edmonton on a loss, to have Toronto get Calgary on a loss, um, you know, it, it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is, but it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting week this week. I think, I think there's a bit more, not that there was a lack of respect from Toronto, but you know, you didn't really know what you're going to get. You can buy teams in this league, but it's tough. You didn't, some of these are older veterans overall. I thought, you know, everything considered, they played a good game and, and they're going to be a, they're going to be a challenge, but the reality is, is the Bombers respect everybody they play. So they're not going into this game, whether it's Hamilton again or Toronto or anybody else uh, thinking anything different than, you know, respecting their abilities and, and, and knowing it's going to be a tough game. For folks wondering, uh, the week two CFL DraftKings contest is live. You can get a spot. Remus has just put all the chats in the uh, or the link in the chat. And by the way, if you're with us on YouTube, great to have you with us. Do us a favor, hit that thumbs up and make sure you have uh, hit the subscribe button and join us daily here at one o'clock when we do the show live on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we mentioned that Ottawa Edmonton game. I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely bizarre uh, on so many levels. Um, the pick six that turned the game around was, I mean, they were 10 yards away from, you know, going up double digits and basically icing the team. Um, 
Lapo, for all the great things that he does coaching wise, I know did not draw up a victory with 70 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Um, was this a bit of a mirage for the Ottawa Red Blacks and they should enjoy this win? Yeah, taste this victory because I don't think it's going to, I don't think you're going to have that taste uh, all that much this year. It's just a tough scene in Ottawa. You know, it was a tough scene months ago when you looked at them and as it got closer it just you know again great that they won trevor harris effect where you get close enough to the end zone but you can't seem to get it in you settle for field goals or as you mentioned that pick six that was an unfortunate situation went off shy ross's hands and just right into Kenny's uh, mitts and he ran the rest of the way obviously i think i was the second intercept he had two interceptions for sure um and then had that goal line stand i just at one point i was just like edmonton better not win this game you know what i mean and then when they were marching and then sure enough trevor harris you know throws it to the fullback and he just misses it was just the perfect ending to an otherwise insanely boring game in my opinion it was just you know and people are giving me aren't you just happy to have the cfl back it's both. I love that the CFL's back, and that game was boring. So, you know, I think we learned a couple things that Ottawa's defense is no joke, that they can, you know, they can um, certainly limit you, maybe not in yards, but in points. Um, and also Edmonton, who I thought it's interesting, a lot of people, the insiders, if you will, had Edmonton kind of coming out the West, thinking that they were going to be some dominant offensive powerhouse. Uh, then they cut a bunch of guys that were well known in this league, and, and then we saw what we saw. I, I think the other takeaway is Edmonton isn't nearly as good as anyone thought they would be. And it might be a long season in Edmonton as well. And then we've got the BC Saskatchewan game, which was, I mean, I will remember this game for the rest of my life as maybe the most bizarre backdoor cover in CFL gambling history. I mean, it was 31, nothing. And from that point on, Saskatchewan did nothing. Um, Like, what can you even take away? Let's just focus on Saskatchewan for a second. Yeah. I was just this just a complete letdown, or how concerning was that second half performance after the way they started and took advantage of a rookie quarterback that didn't even know he was going to be starting till probably thirty seconds before he got told to head out into the huddle. I'll quickly touch on the gambling thing first. I didn't put any money on it, obviously, but if you look at like the in-game betting, that would have been a disaster because like whether it was minus 17, 18, 21, those all look like slam dunks when they went up. And then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, it just kind of fell off a cliff. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. I, I, I have no explanation how Saskatchewan could go from scoring three touchdowns on their first three drives, look like world beaters to looking like absolute trash in the second half. I mean, they were, they had, I think, two for, I think Cody Fajardo threw for two first downs. Their offense mustered two first downs. They were outscored 20 to one, which would have been, you know, which would have been not like understandable, but it would have been a little bit more understandable if it was in BC. It was at Mosaic Stadium in a sold-out crowd after a super long layoff, and he just disappeared. And I had mentioned in my column, as you kind of said, um, I'm not convinced that Cody Fajardo is the second coming of, like, Ryderville greatness. So, you know, like, he had a good season. I think he won the West final um, nomination because it was a weird year for quarterbacks. He's certainly not the best quarterback. I wouldn't put him in the top three in this league. And I think we're going to see a freshman – uh, or a, sorry, a sophomore slump, because at the end of the day, like I was kind of looking at myself thinking, oh man, maybe he is going to tear it up. 15 straight completions, those two touchdowns, th- two of those three touchdowns he threw for, he looked good. And then he just didn't look good at all. So I think that's what we're going to see from Saskatchewan this year. I have the middle of the pack in the West and they're not going to be as dominant as they were, in, you know, in, in the last couple of years. Uh, they've gone over a makeover. We all know about those injuries early on. That was a big dent. So, um, you know, good for them to get the win out. But just what a weird way to, uh, 
you know, what a weird way to wrap up that game. And it leaves us with more questions than answers. Yeah, no doubt about it. Oh, I see DQ Nick has entered the chat. What's Uh-oh. up, Nick? He says, hey, tell Hammy he's looking a little skinny. Uh, just bring him over to DQ for some burgers in the house. We I need am, to beef I him am. up. <laughs> Drop 26 pounds. Thanks for noticing, Nick. No, you look I didn't, didn't even know I had 26 pounds to drop. In your prime fighting weight. Well, you're certainly then uh, you've got some room for an ultimate DQ burger and a blizzard oh, at, some, at some point soon. Go down to Nick and Nicky's DQ group. Great people. <laughs> Um, from the BC side of things, I mean, I, I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, yeah. I, I'm on side. I, I don't think that this was so nefarious that they were trying to screw everyone and make the broadcasters look bad. Um, but it does seem like Rick Campbell has basically given the keys to Mike Riley or Michael Riley, excuse me, yeah. and told him that, um, listen, you figure it out. You decide it because the visual of him doing that halftime interview saying, oh, he just couldn't go. He's not able to play. We're going to work it out. And they literally shifting over to the field and seeing 13 running out behind center. Well, you don't see that very often, Jeff. There was, it was bizarre. I think that's the easiest way to put it. So Mike Riley is, a, is, is two things. Okay. He's, he's very, 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 very competitive. You know, I don't know if there's a bigger competitor in the league, you know, in the league, he's, you know, he's known for that and he's willing to put his body on the line. He wants his team to succeed all those things, but he's also the decision maker. You know, he, he's very, from what I've understand from people around the very demanding, very, you know, he's the kind of guy that calls the shots. And we saw that. I mean, like how, like, as you mentioned, Hoss, I mean, how dumb did Rick Campbell look talking on the, on the interview at halftime saying this was a health and safety issue. And then, then, Three seconds later, um, Michael Riley is starting the second half with a noodle arm. I mean, it was just, it was from start to finish, it was just bizarre. Like, I'm with you in the sense that I don't, this was not like a BC Lions playing a trick on on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders saying, oh yeah, Mike Riley's going to start and then pull out the hat and whatever. This was a situation where whatever the pregame treatment is, whether, you know, people were throwing out freezing needles, they were throwing out other stuff there was enough pain for him to be like, I can't do this. And if for Mike Riley to say, I can't do this, not just to say, I can't do this, but then to hand a ball to a rookie who's <laughs> never had a preseason game or a preseason snap, like there's no way. And that's where I kind of hang this on the BC lions too. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would not like, you know, obviously the plan was, it wouldn't make sense to me to, to trick because obviously the plan was for Mike to play. So anyways, fast forward to what we saw in the second half. I just, if Mike Riley wasn't good to go, at the beginning, why was he all of a sudden good to go in the second half down three touchdowns when he couldn't throw the ball deep? And I mean, to Mike Riley's credit, absolutely incredible effort. He brought them back. He made it a game. Like you mentioned, he covered your spread. Incredible. It just, to me, in a long, long season, um, why you'd put him in that situation. But ultimately, no one put him in that situation. Mike made that decision. And it just became a little bit of a an eyebrow razor for, for the first week and kind of dominated the, you know, the storyline of the game. Yeah. That certainly was the story of Friday night football as well. Jeff, this has been so awesome. Um, of course, bombers, uh, Argos Friday night at IG field, really looking forward to that one. Uh, what do you have for cooking in the uh, Winnipeg free press heading into the game? Well, I got today and tomorrow off, so uh, don't 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 pick up your papers. Just kidding, go pick them <laughs> up. They uh, Friday. Then I got my my five uh, storylines heading into what will be an exciting game on uh, on Friday night, and then game coverage, and then kind of the same situation. My uh, my five takeaways post game. I love doing those things. I love rewatching the game because you know, as people know, writers. You know, we try to watch every single second, but we're buried in those laptops, and so getting a better idea and better you know 
being able to kind of break out what you really saw in the game is nice. And then I got my CFL rundown, which is just awesome. Like, I just love doing it. I love following all the leagues. It's such a great league to follow. It's such a quirky league to follow. There's so many things that happen that make it so great. So many good personalities that there really is not a shortage of, uh, of things to talk and write about. So, um, but you got the Manny show coming up next, so you can ask him all that stuff. He's one of the bet, one of the better ones out there. So good, 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 uh, good, good grab. You, you know it. Hey, dude, thanks for doing this. Um, keep up the awesome work. Can't wait for the CFL rundown next week. The first one was phenomenal, and uh, hopefully we can do this again next week. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. And right shout on. out there's... to the comments section. Never get to see uh, those comments live, but, uh, you know, I catch them later maybe. <laughs> oh, there's some beauties today. You're always a very popular <laughs> yeah, guest. Okay. I'll tell you that much. All right, as Jeff said, Manny Arsenal coming up in just a second. I uh, do want to thank one of our newest sponsors, Paramount Services for joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Paramount Services Limited, full facility maintenance company right here in Winnipeg, serving commercial HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handyman services to all of your favorite convenience stores and restaurants in Western Canada, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and they've been doing it for 28 years. If you're looking for a one-stop shop for kitchen or cooler supplies for your business or property in Western Canada, anywhere, give them a call. Ask for Carrie O'Brien or visit their website at ParamountServicesLTD.com for information. Of course, they're always looking for qualified techs who specialize in HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and handiwork. You can go to their website and submit their resume today. Also, give them a follow on Twitter and on Facebook. You can get links, especially to the career section there. Um, and Remus will throw those links in the chat right now. And uh, give them a little WST welcome. Give them a follow. Facebook and Twitter for Paramount Services Limited. Uh, we had the Turtle Man on last week. Milt, the greatest spokesperson for not Autocorp of all time. I can't wait for the new commercial. Uh, but in the meantime, if you are looking for a new car here in the city of Winnipeg, why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Go and visit them, Waverly and McGilvery or online at not.ca. They've also got a great service department with Red Seal technicians. They'll detail your vehicle. Anything automotive, start at not. And uh, a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza. I went down to BP last night, had a couple cold ones in the lounge and some wings. The summer menu is here. They've got the Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowl, the White Sangria Smash, the Peachy Mojito Royale, and the Galaxy Fish Bowl, all available for you and your friends when you hit the patio and while you're there check out the new tastes of summer the honey dill fried chicken sandwich and the burger italiano summer is here bring your appetite sunglasses optional at boston pizza all right really looking forward to this next conversation we will talk a little more hockey later on but let's get into some more football and welcome in longtime cfl star manny arsenal for the first time to winnipeg sports talk daily Manny, what's going on? It's great to have you on the program. I think the last time we spoke, it was in person at the Grey Cup back in Ottawa. How you been? I think we may have just lost Manny. We'll see if we can get the Manny show back up. Uh, we were starting out. You can follow Manny on Twitter at MannyShow84. And... Uh, Many now playing a little indoor football, doing a lot of training and coaching, but uh, I do have a feeling that we may not have seen the last of Manny Arsenault in the Canadian Football League. Um, you know, certainly an incredible career, uh, mostly with the British Columbia Lions, but did finish up with the Saskatchewan Roughriders in 2019. And um, 
still on the other side of 30 but still absolutely has the uh, has the goods to be able to uh, you know I think still play in this league um the big question is is he plans for the future um you know whether that's you know a good idea right now so he's still staying in shape he is still playing football right now and um maybe we will see him in the CFL at some point uh hey Manny we lost you there for a second what's going on are you got me now? We got you now. We got you now. Welcome to the program. Hey, where uh, where are we yeah. getting you at? Where uh, where are you right now? I'm in Prosper, Texas, um, located about 30 minutes outside of Dallas. Now, uh, I know you're still playing a little football, but it's not in the Canadian Football League. Fill us in on uh, what you're doing right now and uh, why you're not here playing the three-down game. Oh, damn. Looks like we lost him again. Technology not being kind to us today on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Remo, I don't know if you want to try and do the dial and do a little audio action right now, because we can certainly do that if uh, if we want. Uh, yes, Christian Nevis, Manny has descended into the darkness. Uh, Leighton, Manny looking, looking jacked for a brief second there. Uh, and no, we don't think Manny was in in a car accident. I think we were just having a little bit of an issue with uh, uh, with, with, with. I think we're having a little bit of issue with the technical. I mean, the the damn cell phones. You know, we've made so many advances as a planet, as a society, and yet we still drop all these cell phone calls all along. I'm not entirely sure as to uh, where Manny is, and we may have to reschedule this at some point, get him at a time where he's not in a car. Although we have had some guys do vehicle, do hits with us on the road, and it hasn't been. Yes, Paul, Huss has a spell on Manny. <laughs> it looks like the grid is down again in Texas. Darb, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. <laughs> and no, Paula Dett, this has nothing to do with Remus on the mute button. Um, let's actually get Remo back in uh, if uh, if we do have a little bit of time because we do have Chris Peters coming up a little bit later on the program. Uh, Remo, I know some people in the chat sometimes might like taking shots at you, but this has nothing to do with you or with me. I think we can blame the grid in Texas for uh, having a, a tough time getting Manny on the line. Yeah, I'll blame. I'll blame the uh, the grid. Uh, I don't know. But oh, here, here he's coming back. One sec. We'll we'll try this again. All right, I think we're good now. <clears throat> we got him back. Yeah, what's up? But we're blaming the grid in Texas. Did it go down again or what? <laughs> Prosper, but you was asking about the indoor football. So I'm with the local team, the Frisco Fighters. Um, and, and that's what been keeping me active and busy, man. Just never know if that call might come to head back up north. So I was like, hey, let me embark on a new. New little journey, still playing football. And if the opportunity comes, I know I'll be more than ready. Um, um, you know, you had such a great career and, you know, everything ended in 2019 with the Bombers raising the Great Cup. And then there was no season last year. I mean, like right. many people, but especially with the experience that you had, the amount of years in the league, how did you handle the time off? And did you already sort of start pivoting to what you'll be doing after football's over? I'm fully into that. I started my LLC, Manny Show LLC. So it's a sports performance built around youth athletic development. And uh, involved that's what been keeping me busy. You did mention that you would, the phone is on and you would pick it up. I mean, uh, are you still hoping maybe to uh, come back here and 
hopefully help another team challenge for a CFL championship? I would hope sooner than later, but you know, um, that's not in, that's not my call, but if a call was to come, I'm more than ready to go. I'm in game shape, um, body feeling good. Um, so, so feeling Oh man, you know, uh, it's I don't I don't know what happened there. Yeah, you know what, Manny? I tell you what, let's um, we will uh, if there's a possibility that you get a call from a certain team here in Winnipeg, you'll have a pretty good chance maybe to win a Grey Cup. I mean, they've got a good receiving squad right now, but uh, I would imagine that if there is an opportunity here or anywhere, we would certainly love to see you. Uh, two teams went at it last Friday in a pretty bizarre game between uh, the Lions and the Rough Riders. And to be honest, I have a hard time thinking that there is not a number of teams that could not use Manny Arsenal. But great to catch up with Manny. Obviously, we're having a bit tough time with the connection. Uh, we will hopefully get Manny on at some point later on this season if he's available. But as I said, I think there's probably a pretty good chance that at some point soon, Manny Arsenal might be coming back above the uh, above the 49th to play once again in the Canadian Football League. I did hear him say earlier this week, chatting with Rod, that in all likelihood, this is going to be his last year of football. So he's staying in shape, playing in the Indoor Football League down in Texas. And uh, if somebody needs a veteran-wide receiver to step in in case of injury or a performance, he'll be ready to go. And uh, we'll be looking for that coming up very soon. All right, we are going to talk some hockey. Uh, Very much looking forward to talking with Chris Peters in a couple minutes. Because Chris... Um, is you know we're already on to scouting for next year's draft, and you know while we won't be getting into all of the prospects, certainly do want to get his take on the class of 2021 for the Winnipeg Jets from the NHL draft, as well as what we're seeing from the Halinka and some of the players, some of the names that we might want to have on our radar as we get into next hockey season. Before we do that, do want to thank our wonderful beer sponsors over at Little Brown Jug Brewing. Um, the tap house is the, the, the patio's open now. The uh, building's open now on, on, on William Avenue. And if you haven't been by, I mean, it's such a great spot to go meet some friends for a couple of delicious little brown jug products. You can also pick up the summer variety pack there. You can see on the screen, uh, the flagship ran the 1919, some amazing merchandise from little brown jug as well. But most importantly, get back together with friends and drink some of the best beer pumped out in this province locally each and every year. Uh, you can go to littlebrownjug.ca. You can order online. They'll deliver it to you within the city of Winnipeg. Same day. As long as you order by 4 PM, it's never been easier to get the great taste of little brown jug in your hands right now. Littlebrownjug.ca or pop down and see them on William Avenue. A pretty wild night of racing last night at Assiniboia Downs. Last couple races had to be called. We've gone through this drought for so long, and then lo and behold, what happens? Uh, everything gets canceled because we actually had too much rain. Um, it looks like it's going to be a nice night tonight. Live racing is back tonight and tomorrow. Remus and I will do our picks for the track at the end of the program a little bit later on. But if you haven't already gotten out, make sure you've got your proof of vaccination and roll in there. 50% capacity on the main level and outside. And upstairs, VLTs open 9 a.m. to 12.15. And the Terrace Dining Room and all the delicious food their chefs have going 
also open daily, but you need to make a reservation. All the information's at asdowns.com. You can bet with us at hpi.com, hpibet.com if you're not able to get out to the track. But make the point to do it. Is a right of summer in Winnipeg. Assiniboy Downs with live racing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And a big shout-out to our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. The finishing touches are going in on all the course improvements, including resawing the new uh, sixth fairway. Can tell you that the 19th hole was still looking very, very good. Maybe a nice little brown jug after a strong round on the 19th hole is maybe the perfect way to end uh, a golf round. But if you're looking for a great home for you and your family for golfing next season with a grown junior program, phenomenal program for women, and much more, Breezy Bend's the place to do it. Get in the waiting list now. Talk to Corey Johnson or find out more at breezybend.ca. All right, Remo and I will guess the lines for the CFL coming up before the end of the C- end of the show. We will also get into uh, a little bit of uh, well, uh, Cinnaboy Downs picks, but uh, let's do uh, talk a little hockey right now and welcome in one of the top NHL draft and prospects analysts around, Chris Peters, to the program. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. Chris, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be talking hockey in August. And <laughs> I mean, it's the, the season never ends for the draft, the, the draft guys, I guess. Well, I can tell you, you know, we were speaking uh, with Mark Hillier, the Jets director of scouting here in Winnipeg on, you know, the Monday after the draft and, you know, kind of joking like, oh, you and the scouts go on vacation for a couple of weeks. Actually, no, I'm home for one day in Newfoundland and then we're going over to the Alinka. So, uh, yeah, there really is no rest for the wicked. I think maybe the the most relaxing days for the scouts all year, probably like the day before the draft, because pretty much the work is done. There's nothing left to do. And and then you go make the picks. Let me ask you this, Chris, based on your research, your thoughts uh, and talking with other people within the industry, how different was everyone's list going into this past draft because of the challenges when it simply comes to scouting the players that were in the 2021 draft class? Yeah, I, I think it was vastly different. I mean, you look at some of the picks that were made in the draft and it was it was just, you know, there there were a lot of raised eyebrows. It's like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I, I, got, I had a chance to talk to a lot of the guys immediately after because I went to the World Junior Summer Showcase and a lot of scouts were there. And it was like, what did you like? What did you not like? And, and they did mention this. It's like it just felt like nobody knew what was going to happen. And most years going into the draft, you're going to know probably the th- maybe top 15, top 20, have a good idea, maybe not the order, but a pretty good idea of who those players are going to be. And this year it might've been the top nine or so, if that, um, and, and then it really changed by team to team. And then, you know, there were so many different variables in this year, not only with all the different draft situations where, you know, your leagues that weren't playing and all those other things or injuries or what have you, there were two goalies that were potential first round picks that changes the dynamic of the first round. You know, there was a lot of, um, you know, late birth dates versus, you know, 04s and or 03s rather. You know, so it was just kind of a, a, an interesting, you know, kind of jumble of players that the teams had to work with. And a lot of them had very different opinions about what they where where ultimately they all should go. And there were plenty of guys that went a lot earlier than people expected and probably even more that went a lot later, at least than the public expected to go. What, uh, anything really stand out to you amongst the top 10? I mean, we sort of were led to believe that there was sort of a top nine and then maybe a tier below that. And it didn't seem like most of those guys went in the top nine. Yeah, right. I mean, I think basically the, the biggest surprise of, of the draft at, at, 
the early stage was at 10 when uh, Ottawa took uh, Tyler Boucher and, you know, very good player. I, I just think that there were, there were enough teams. There were certainly teams that were picking after Ottawa that had him as a first round pick. And I think there was, there was not a lot of thought that he would get past 20, um, you know, that, that he would probably not be available if in that next tier. So it would have been harder to trade down, but that was a guy that pretty much, you know, most teams didn't have as a, as a top 10 pick. Um, he's more of a grinding kind of physical player. Great work ethic. He did have good numbers, but he also was injured a lot this year. And so when you have that, it was almost like a, a benefit to him that he played less than other players did. You know, that, that we, we, I heard that a lot from scouts too. Is like, it feels like some of the guys that played more were punished for playing more because we had more of a book on them. And um, I think he was one of those guys that kind of benefited from, from that. So that was the big surprise that I think really disrupted the first round to a certain degree. I don't think he would have gone much later than that, but still it was a guy that, you know, for me personally, I had him as a second round grade. There were a lot of teams that had him as a second round grade as well. Um, so it wasn't just the public thought one way and the senators thought another, a lot of NHL scouts were in agreement that, you know, that was a, a pretty risky play at 10. You know, uh, Chris last year, uh, the draft happened and all of us in Winnipeg were saying, how the heck did Cole Perfetti fall to the jets at 10? And, you know, he had an unbelievable season. I mean, as terrible as the pandemic was and everything that came along with it. He was one of the few that really, I think, benefited from the situation playing in the American Hockey League and the World Championships and all that. So Perfetti is now right at the forefront when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, potentially even cracking the lineup in the next season or two. We had similar conversations talking to scouts about Chaz Lucius. Um, (laughs) What did you make about the player the Winnipeg Jets got and when they got him? Well, I mean, I I didn't think there was a chance they were going to get him there. Um, you know, I didn't think that that was a guy that would be around past 15. Uh, I thought there were too many teams ahead of them that, you know, like those kinds of players that have, you know, a lot of national team development program guys in their, in their system, you know, but then things kind of shifted. There were, there were a lot of trades too, right? So there were trades where, where Philly traded out of their first round pick and where, um, you know, Chicago traded out of their first round, their earlier first round pick. So that made it a little bit more jumbled at the top for for you know teams that maybe weren't expecting to pick that high and you know having to reevaluate so i i thought it was great news for the for the jets that he was there because i thought that he was one of the 10 best players in the draft and so you know to see him go in the in the late teens and then all you know that was that was crazy to me so um he's one of the most skilled players i think his hand skills are just incredible you know i think that you know, physically, he might remind people of Kyle Connor, you know, and just in terms of his his size, his, his length, you know, the the lankiness and the skill set. And so uh, but, you know, he, he gets to the middle ice real well. Um, he also was injured a lot. So I think that there was some teams that maybe weren't as willing to take the risk because he, he got hurt. Then he came back and he averaged a goal per game and then he got sick and had to miss the world under 18 championship. So. Um, that was, he, he didn't have COVID, but you know, he, he got, he had another illness. And so it was a situation where, you know, you had a, a really small sample to look at, but if you look at the two years that he was there, um, he was one of the top performers at all times for that team. So to see that a guy like that, with that skill level, the scoring ability that he has to be available in the, you know, the latter portion of the first half of the draft, um, that's it's pretty. It's a pretty good spot to be in if you're the if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Well, and it's funny you mentioned Kyle Connor because um you know he's become <laughs> he's become an incredible player. I think he drafted. If I'm not mistaken, 
he was also the 17th pick in the first round. And a lot of people were saying, how the heck did this guy fall to him? And, you know, at some point it's good fortune. The other point is you got to pull the trigger on these players. But I mean, the last couple of years, and I mean, I guess the jury will be out on Lucius, but Kyle Connor was certainly that, uh, that spot. And I mean, the Colt Perfetti pick at number 10, I think people are still shaking their heads as to how that happened. I mean, just thoughts on Perfetti and what you've seen from his, um, you know, season and what he projects to be long-term as an NHLer. Yeah, well, I had I had Perfetti fourth in his draft year um, on my list. And so I've always been a, a big Perfetti guy. I think that he's one of the most intelligent players that I've I've watched in, in terms of how he reads a game, the, the vision that he has, the decisions that he makes with the puck on his stick. Obviously, we see the hand skills that he has where he's got this great passing ability, but then he's also a tremendous shooter with you know a lightning release and, and just love what he brings to the table with with the physic the with the with the skills that he has. Um, obviously, you know, we, we talked about skating and things. I think that we're seeing improvement in that. He he thinks the game at a fast enough pace where, you know, I'm not as concerned about the skating with him as 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 I would be with other players. And that, that's also been a knock on Chaz Lucius, too, is that you know, the skating needs to get a little bit better. And, he, you know, he's coming off a leg injury as well. So, you know, we're still waiting to see. But as he gets stronger in his lower half, just as if it's Cole Perfetti gets stronger in his lower half, they'll become better skaters and maybe a little bit more powerful and not necessarily explosive, but a little, you know, they'd be able to to just be better skaters in general. So I'm, I'm fascinated by Perfetti as a player. I think that what he did last season, the different quarantines that he had to go through from world juniors to coming back to Canada to, you know, to or coming back into the, the NHL system, you know, going through the AHL, going to the worlds and, and, you know, being able to be on a, a gold medal team. I think that was really an incredible year for his his development. Maybe not ideal in terms of the number of games played. I certainly would have liked to have seen him get more reps in general. But at the same time, he made the most of what was what was given to him. So I do think that he's going to challenge for a spot next year. I don't know if I necessarily pencil him in right away, but I, I do think that there's a really good possibility that that he has the the hockey sense and the and the mind to to really you know make an impact at the next level. Uh, you know, I, I can't get enough of Chaz Lucius's name, too. I mean, one of the great monikers, and someone's pointed out in chat, he's got a brother named Cruz as yes, well. Yes, um, he does. Uh, yeah. He on the draft radar as well? He is, yeah. You know, he had a really good season with the under-17 team last year at the MTDP. They're only, uh, you know, a year apart, and they, they've they they've been making headlines since they were little kids, basically. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're from Minnesota, and, and they committed to the Gophers before we had more rules about when you could commit and you know they were i think i think chaz might have been 14 and cruz was 12 or something like that <laughs> you know something like that i might have been i might be exaggerating ever so slightly but but really i mean you know that there are two guys that their their whole lives have been kind of dedicated to becoming the best players that they can possibly be and um you know playing at gentry academy which is uh you know before they went to the national team development program was essentially the, the school that their parents had essentially came you know, they, it was a hockey academy and it's still it's helping a lot of kids um, get better now as well. And so, you know, they've kind of been a very hockey centric family for much of their lives. So really, this has been, you know, it's it's you still have to put the work in. It's not it's not simply, you know, destiny that you get to, to be an NHL draft pick. They put the work in uh, the, the both Cruz and, and, and Chaz. And so, um, you know, I think that Cruz is less likely to be a first rounder the way that, you know, Chaz, a lot of us believed for a long time that he was going to be in that first round conversation. Uh, but Cruz absolutely is, is on the draft radar and is, is somebody that we expect to see go. 
Chris Peters is with us um, talking some NHL prospects, and we will ask you about the Helenka Gretzky tournament, but um, what can you tell us about Nikita Chibrikov, the Jets' second rounder, uh, only the second Russian skater Winnipeg has ever selected. They actually grabbed a couple in this draft, which was interesting. Um, tell us about the uh, the second rounder for the Jets and what you know about him, Chris. Yeah, well, so Chibrikov was 15th on my list, um, and so wow. I, uh, yeah, so I had him very high. I was in the minority and having him that high, but I think most of us expected him to be a first round pick. He was exceptional at the world under 18 championship where he, you know, was absolutely, you know, making plays all over the ice. He he played in KHL games last year um, at, at a young age. He played for the Russian senior team, uh, the youngest, I think the youngest since Ovechkin to play for the Russian senior team um, in, in a, in a tournament. And so, He's been kind of one of the top players in his age group in Russia for a really long time. So to see him slip all the way into the 50s was uh, shocking, really. I mean, I, I thought that he was a guy that, um, you know, most teams wouldn't let fall much further past the the early second round at most. And, you know, he plays with a little bit of edge. There's a little bit of uh, snarl in his game as well. Um, the one thing that, that you know, he, he he gives it a lot better than he takes it. That's for sure. Um, that was something that we saw in the gold medal game against Canada where Chibrikov, they, uh, you know, he was, he was, they really focused on playing him physically and kind of took him out of the game a little bit. So that's something that could come with maturity and strength and all those other things, you know, like I, I don't really have a huge concern about that, but I mean, he had, yeah, I think 14 points at the world under 18s and that's in seven games. So, you know, he, he made so many great plays. He, he, he was, uh, the captain of that team and a guy that I think, you know, has potential to be a really special player and especially at that range. I mean, the value in that pick for me is really what, what, what makes it great. And especially for the jets to only have had a few picks in the draft, you got to maximize those. And so you have to take risks. And sometimes that means taking a Russian who maybe you're not hundred percent positive. He's going to come over in a, in a, in a real short amount of time. He's playing for the biggest club in, in, in the KHL. So it's hard to get those guys out. But if you do get them, as the Minnesota Wild have found with with Kirill Kaprizov, it's worth the wait. And I think he could be one of those kind of players. All right. Chris Peters is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Chris, you also um, spent a lot of time watching that Helenka Gretzky tournament. Why is that tournament such an important event for scouting um, as it pertains to, you know, the next draft class going into the National Hockey League? Yeah, I think the most important thing that it does is it kind of sets a baseline for the season and it sets a baseline with these players amongst their peers who are also among the best players in the world. Now, this year we didn't have Canada, so that that eliminates one of the major benchmark measuring stick teams, um, which is unfortunate. But Russia had their A squad. Um, you know, Sweden had their A squad. Finland had their A squad. The U.S. usually sends more of a B squad because they don't send their national team development program players. But that then gives you a better idea of what the rest of the American class looks like outside of the NTDP. Um, so that's that's the benefit of that. And then this year we happen to have a Slovakian team that is perhaps the best under 18 team they've had in over a decade. Um, and and that really is that they have several guys that will be high draft picks in the next, in the next draft. So um, it's a great opportunity to see those guys side by side competing in a high level tournament. And you still take it with a grain of salt because it's August. These guys, it's August in the, after a pandemic season. So, you know, you try not to read into too much to it, 
but it does set that baseline and then it gives you something to go off of as the season progresses. And then that's when, you know, you compare how a lot of these guys played this season at, at the Holinka to how, you know, did they make the under 18 world championship team? Are they, were they an impact player at that event? Did they still have the same level? And, and you, you know, you, it's, it's, it's basically just kind of a, an appetizer for the rest of the season. So you, you use it and you hope that you have a book on them. And a lot of these guys, you know, NHL teams had to focus so much on video. So you're not getting as many of those secondary views, guys that you would see when you're watching other players. So, you know, you're, you're trying to get those guys under control. So this year, I think it was a much more important tournament than ever before, just because a lot of those guys didn't get the views last season that you would normally have gotten just by being watching other players. So um, that's what I think will, will ultimately be the, the real import of this, uh, of this event. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, the event was in Slovakia and yeah. the, I mean, the Slovak team, I mean, didn't they pump the Finns six, nothing there at the end? I mean, that, that yeah. must've been just an amazing story for the event itself. Oh, it is. Yeah. Because the Slovakia had never been in the championship game before. So it's, it's co-hosted by the Czech Republic and Slovakia. And so Slovakia played all their games in, in Piestini and, um, and, and they, <laughs> I mean, they were, it was amazing to watch because even though they, they, they lost pretty big in the, in the final to Russia, which was the far better team, you know, the fact that they beat the U S beat Sweden, beat Finland and pretty handily in all situations and had guys like Simon Nemitz and Uri Slavkovsky and Philip Mesar and their goaltender. And like every, they had so many guys contributing to that. And really Slovakia has been out of the international picture for so long in terms of, you know, they're, they're, they're actually that age group won't get to play in the under 18 world championship because it was relegated two years ago. And because of COVID there's no, there was no relegation or promotion this year. So they didn't have a way back in. So this was their primary event this year and they came to play and boy, did they ever put on a show? They have, they have speed, they had skill and uh, you know, they had a lot of talent. So it was a lot of fun to watch. Chris Peters is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Chris M. Peters. We'll uh, get him to fill us in on uh, where you can get more of his content in a minute. For fans that aren't draft nuts, but, you know, want to know the top prospects, you know, just to pay attention through the year. We've heard the name Shane Wright. We know Connor Bedard's coming around the way. Matvey Michkov, the Russian. Um, who are sort of the, the guys that we'll be hearing more and more about this season as projected sort of top of the draft picks next summer? Yeah, well, Shane Wright, I think, is probably most likely to go wire to wire as as the number one. I, I don't think that there's, at least at this point, at this very, very early stage, I don't see anybody that's in that caliber. However, you know, I think that there's a couple of Russian guys that people are going to have to know about. One of them is Ivan Roshnashenko, who was the captain of the Russian team that just won the Holinka. I think he's got a really good opportunity to be the number two pick in this draft. He's got strength. He's got physicality. He's got speed. Um, he's got tremendous, uh, tremendous skill and a great shot. And, you know, he, he was supposed to follow the path of, of Andre Svechnikov. He was planning to come to the USHL last year, then go to the OHL and then go get drafted and hopefully play right away in the NHL. Didn't work out. He's now signed with Omsk in, uh, in, in the KHL because, uh, he, he, because of COVID, he wasn't able to get over to play for Muskegon. And so he's going to be playing for one of the top clubs in, in the KHL, the defending Nagarian Cup champions. Um, if he gets a lot of KHL games, I think he's going to be a guy that, that everybody's going to know about pretty quickly. Then there's also Danila Yurov, who's a uh, very similar in terms of he's got good size, he's got speed, he's got uh, scoring ability. They both played on the World Under 18 Championship last year. Yurov is a late 03. Um, he was the youngest player to score in the KHL last season and the second youngest ever to score in the playoffs. 
Um, and, and he's got a lot of talent. He's really, you know, at, at any moment when, when he's engaged, he's one of the most dangerous players on the ice. Um, the top American this year is probably going to be Logan Cooley, who plays the national team development program. He's got great speed. He's not, not the biggest guy. He's committed to play at Notre Dame um, the year after. So he, he's going to be a guy to know, but really, really speedy. And then also uh, Finland's Brad Lambert and Canada's Matthew Savoy are probably the other guys, you know, Savoy and, and, and has been known for years. He, he tried to get, uh, exceptional stats, obviously in Winnipeg, of course, everybody's going to know him there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he tried to get the exceptional status and, and didn't get it. I think that ended up being the right thing for him. And then he played in Dubuque this year and he was outstanding in the USHL. I mean, he scored a lot of goals, made a lot of plays. It was very good for his development because that's a very difficult defensive league. And he showed that he could break through that with his skill. And then Brad Lambert, I think, is one of the best skaters that, that we'll see in this draft class. And dual Canadian uh, Finnish citizen and, and plays for Finland internationally. Hmm. Uh, we'll expect to see him at the world juniors this year playing for Finland. Yeah. I always laugh when I hear Brad Lambert of Finland. I mean, yeah. he's short about 10 consonants in his name, but uh, <laughs> it is a great story. Um, Chris, you know, I've loved all the work that you've done over the years, ESPN, CBS sports, fill us in on uh, where all of your content is right now. And people can uh, find out more about what you're working on. Yeah, so I'm I'm a, I'm an independent guy now, uh, which has been a lot of fun. So so you can relate. This is uh, this yeah. is not a bad this is not a bad deal, right? So um, yeah, it's it's uh, most of my my written work is is all pretty much all of my written work is at um, hockeysense.substack.com. Uh, there's you know draft rankings and all that other stuff that I would do all the time anyway. A lot of post draft analysis and international hockey, college hockey, all those things. Uh, and I also have a podcast called Talking Hockey Sense, which is available wherever you get podcasts. So, yeah, just trying to uh, continue doing this prospect thing on my own. It's a little scary. It tends to be it's kind of expensive to do this kind of work. So I'm trying to uh, manage that well. But I've been really thankful for everybody that has signed up and supported the website so far. It's, uh, again, hockeysense.substack.com. And, yeah, I really appreciate the support that I've gotten and, and, and hope for more. Hey, well, we appreciate you uh, coming on with us. Let's do this again sometime, Chris. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate. There he is, Chris Peters, at Chris M. Peters, following uh, the National Hockey League draft and prospects in the game, both here in North America and around the world. Great conversation. Thanks again to Chris for coming up. And uh, yeah, if you go to if you go to Chris's um, Twitter feed, uh, there's a link right there with uh, all of his work going on. All right, that was a lot of fun. We'll get Michael Remus back in here. We've got to do a few things here before the end of the program. We will get to our picks for the track tonight. We will also guess the lines for the Canadian Football League season. We're still, or for week two, we're still waiting for them to officially be out. But I can't tell you that coming up at, uh, geez, what time is it? Our time, I believe five o'clock, four o'clock or five o'clock this afternoon. We get the first of not one, but two games for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, the first game is going to be a home game as it was made up from a rainout earlier in April. And then later on, they'll be going at it again, uh, two seven inning games. Jays, a minus 175 favorite in the first game and a minus 156 favorite in the second game. Let's just see what would happen if we put those together. Plus 158 for a sweep for the Blue Jays. And uh, Rima, when you consider how hot this team has been, you hope that the day off doesn't cool them down. But uh, a lot of momentum and a lot of positive energy within that Jays clubhouse right now. Very much looking forward to seeing these games tonight. Oh, yes. Two games. I did pick up uh, Ross Stripling, one of my fantasy leagues for a spot start. Uh, Steven Matz, the other starter. 
for Toronto. So let's see if they can keep it going, keep making that push towards the playoffs. Only uh, three games out of a wild card. Nice matchup here against uh, the LA Angels or Anaheim Angels, if you still want to call them that, which I usually do. But it's, you know, it's so crazy to me how poor that they've been in the standings, despite having the best player in the league and Mike Trout and, you know, this year's M- probable MVP and Shohei Otani. Uh, they still can't get it done. I mean, their big uh, free agent signing, Anthony Rendon, he was great in Washington. He's injured. He's out, out for the season with a knee injury. They just haven't been able to put it together. And I think it's really sad um, that they have such, you know, Mike Trout, the best player of the last, like, over five years, eight years. And they haven't even had a sniff of the playoffs, nothing. So they just don't have the pitching. I I don't know. So uh, you hope Toronto can keep it rolling here. Now, speaking of baseball, I just have to ask this, and I'm sure this has probably been addressed already in the chat. um, But no, no, don't stay on here. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I, I just what, put it on you. I, I want to ask you about this hat you're wearing. Oh, it's sick we, hat, uh, what, yeah. What, what, what is that hat? Is Na- that like the Nashville Sounds or something like Nailed that? Nailed it. Nashville Sounds. Are you serious? Triple A. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> How's that? Where uh, did you get that? I went Where? to a game and there was in the clearance bin. I should have bought more of them. They were selling for five bucks. So I wanted the, this in black, but they only had a red. It's a, uh, you know, I'll go like this. It is a guitar with a baseball in it. I thought, oh, I, that is a sick logo. So was, <laughs> that is cool. I figured I went I went to a game. It was awesome. Stadium, great atmosphere. It was really hot. That was the only, only complaint. And I wish I would have bought more of them, but this is a sick uh, sick hat. My The only reason I guess the Nashville Sounds, uh, I, first of all, I can't believe I even remember that their name was the Sounds, but I was trying to think of what possible team would have a guitar. It was going to be a minor league team. It was going to be baseball. Um, so I guess Nashville was it, and I somehow remembered that name. But uh, I actually thought their logo, because that like a third logo or something like that? I yeah, thought their logo had something yeah. to do, like a, a note or something like it's that. It's an alternate logo. I think their logo was um, an N. I think it was just like an N, a stylized N. Oh, okay. Uh, but this was like an alternate one. They had it in black, too, but they were sold out of black. So I went with the red. Not really my color red, but uh, I... I have it. No, you're pulling it off. You're pulling it off. You've got that red Canada baseball hat that you pull out uh, yeah, once I got, a year. Yeah, I got a bunch of Canada Your ones. Canada yeah. Day hat. Waiters 27, name that logo with Hustler should be a game. I'd be in. That would be fun. Stump the Hus. Well, let's see if yeah, we can well. make that happen at some point. Um, should mention that we've got some great tennis in Canada going on right now, and all the odds are up as well at Cool Bet. Um, coming up, uh, we've got Grigor Dimitrov playing Riley Opelka. Opelka, the American, took out Nikirios yesterday, and it was a tough run for uh, our boy Va- uh, Vasek Pospisil, the Canadian. He was eliminated last night uh, to an American. Um, still waiting for a line on Chapo, but De- Felix Auger Aliasim, heavy favorite. He's going up. He's got a morning match tomorrow against Lachevic, but uh, ATP Rogers Cup there. And then on the other side of things, the WTA Rogers Cup is going on as well. And uh, Bianca Andreescu is a pretty big favorite, minus 286. Uh, her matchup, imagine will be on the tube later on tonight, getting underway at 6.05 p.m. Again, waiting for official cool bet lines tomorrow morning around quarter to 12 before we go live. 
for Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll be doing our weekly edition of the Lock Shop all over the Canadian Football League and more. Check my Twitter feed at that, or you can just follow Lock Shop Bets on Twitter, and we'll crank that out. We usually broadcast it first from Dustin Nielsen's account live on Twitter, and then uh, you can check out the podcast anywhere you're getting Winnipeg Sports Talk. Just put in the Lock Shop. And again, if you haven't played already, what you need to do is uh, simply um, go and uh, punch it in, subscribe. And uh, of course, if you want to use the Winnipeg Sports Talk bonus code for CoolBet, WST will get you a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first bet. And oh, our pal J.D. Bunkus from yesterday also puts in the Cowards Parlay, the Boosted Odds Cowards Parlay. Remus, I just mentioned that if you put in those two games, it's plus 158. Plus 215. I think I'm going to get on that and I'll be enjoying the Jays tonight. For Jays sweep? For a Jays sweep. Jays to win both of these games oh. today. As I said, one's minus 156, one's minus 75. If you just put them in yourself, it's plus 158. A huge boost to plus 215. So that's available right now. Just click on boosted odds or in the far left column. It is the Cowards Parlay. And our partner parlay for the Lock Shop, which is won two weeks in a row, will be released tomorrow and uh Hopefully we can make it three in a row with some good picks tomorrow with Dusty and Chris Abbott. I'm going to find this parlay because it's funny. Because it's a doubleheader, it's a seven-inning game. So if you're concerned about the Blue Jays' bullpen, uh, they're not going to need to pitch that many innings. Good point. Because of the shortened shortened doubleheader. Um, So, hey, I'll get in on that. I'll I'll throw down. There you go. i got to find it. How do I find that? If you just go to the front page. Yeah. On the left, MLB CFL, right at the bottom, it says the Cowards Parlay. The Cowards Parlay. There you go. Here, I'm. There it is. Found it. I'm in. Click on it. Plus 215. Here. I'll throw and, it up. Uh, yeah, I'll throw it up right here on the thing. We'll people... ride on that with our pal JD Bunkus. A lot of people love JD. I had a few texts and um, emails from big time Blue Jay fans that were A, very pumped that we talked as much about the Jays yesterday but absolutely loved the fire that JD brought to the, brought the show. I mean, it was far from your normal beat reporter going, well, they're playing good. I mean, he had a lot of emotion and I think really captured just how excited people in Toronto are about the Blue Jays. But I think that feeling is really being felt across the country right now as we sort of get back into baseball mode now that the Olympics is all over. Yes, I agree. I think it was um, was time for us to do a Jays segment. We hadn't touched on any Jays since like the start of the season. Um, and so I think this time of year is perfect time to get back on the Jays bandwagon. I remember 2015, everyone was so fired up. It was awesome seeing people loving baseball, even I, cause I know JD took a shot at me for liking Seattle. They haven't been in the playoffs since 2001. So I need a team. Even I, I drove with friends to Kansas city overnight for game three of the 2015 ALCS in uh, KC, and that was an incredible experience, although I would never recommend driving overnight anywhere. It was awful. It screwed me up for a week, but it was so worth it. It was oh, so much I, fun. Everyone in KC was great. I've done that drive overnight 20, 25 times. It, you know, if you're doing it by yourself, it's a little bit much. But, I mean, if you have other guys we with guys, you, I mean, yeah. that's the way to do it. Everyone just takes two or three hours and, you know, sleeps the rest of the time. And next thing you know, you're there. It's all good. Yeah, just because you're sleeping doesn't mean it's a good sleep. I think we got to the hotel room and thankfully they let us check in and we just like zonked out immediately. Hard hard to sleep when the driver is blasting 90s on nine and like full volume. (laughs) Uh, 
Dixter, uh, um, are your other sports bets as good as your horse racing pick? Should I be confident or worried? Well, listen, the bar is set low when it comes to the horse racing picks. Rebus yeah. has had some good ones. Hey. I did pick the winner in the Derby. I'll hang my hat on that. Uh, but yes, the, the horse racing, we really are doing for fun. It's a fun little competition throughout the year. Uh, a little more focused and a little more serious when it comes to the sports betting. Mm-hmm. And um can tell you, there'll be a lot of thought going into these CFL lines once we get them for the lock shop tomorrow. And come NFL season, it will be, I, listen, we'll be doing, talking tons of Jets and Bombers and all those things. But we'll also... I would say probably by next week, start cranking out, you know, a fantasy segment towards the end yes. of a number of shows for people that need it and um, and start getting some, you know, reports about what's happening around the National Football League, because as much as everything's sort of caught up on all of us and we're just starting the CFL, we're getting into preseason NFL action this week, Remus. I'm already getting emails for when all the drafts are for fantasy leagues. And uh, before you know it, we're going to have Sunday football back start to finish red zone and everything that comes with it and oh my god i can't wait yeah i'm really excited i don't do too many season long but i see a lot of people ramping up and i know a lot of people do season long fantasy still like the uh the number one so it's that time of year for sure we'll have to do some cfl uh sorry nfl fantasy and um hockey fantasy as well as we get close maybe even do a draft you know with some people i my dream has is to uh stream stream a draft on here one time. So maybe we'll make that happen eventually. <laughs> I got a couple, I got a couple dreams. I want to stream a draft and I want to create a game show for listeners. Uh, that's, this is me talking aloud and I've looked into it. I love so. it. I love the, I love these ideas. Well, that's the beautiful thing. Now we don't have to run yeah. it up the flagpole and uh, have these ideas die in a sea of red tape and mm-hmm. BS procrastination answers from people above us yeah we can just go and do it so um yeah i'm and with you on both of those i'm i'm all in let's go and one other thing i see a lot of people doing this like ken weeb has his mailbag and marat's like hey uh throw me any questions guys give me give me questions i'll answer them it'll be a column i want to tomorrow you know it's middle wednesday in the middle of summer we can do an ask us anything show where if you have uh questions we'll tweet it out after the show if you've got questions about sports or your jets, bombers, fantasy, betting, anything, anything else, even anything food related, uh, we'll tackle them. So uh, we can definitely, uh, definitely do that. Um, you right. know, one thing you're talking about CFL. So we did have some uh, quarterback news actually. I saw Three Down Nation reporting uh, Ryan Dinwiddie's named McLeod Bethel Thompson the starter for Friday night's game. Nick Arbuckle still not healthy, and hmm. I'm not convinced Nick Arbuckle is a better option. Than McLeod Bethel Thompson at this point has Nick Arbuckle like ever proved anything in the CFL? Um, no, not really. Like, I mean, he, he's shown that he could win games, and he probably was going to be a great QB. But I mean, he's never done it long term for any team right now. And you know, he's now with this third organization, albeit never got a chance to play in Ottawa. Uh, I, I Ryan Dinwiddie's a former quarterback. I mean, he's in a great situation having a guy with a lot of potential like Arbuckle, but also a guy like MBT who. I mean, as we talked about it, Remus, their team stunk. But, man, he moved the football pretty well in 2019 and I think certainly deserved the opportunity to at least compete for that starting job. Yeah, and he was... I had him in fantasy a bunch um, last time. He threw for yards. Now, it didn't result in too many wins. Part of it might have been their defense. But I remember he torched the Bombers. And he looked good. 
Um, last game against Calgary. So, and I, it's funny, you talk about power rankings. Us, the CFL uh, has our power rankings, has their power rankings. And um, I think they had the Bombers number one. We joked everybody else, but I think they had Toronto ahead of Calgary, uh, which I totally disagreed with. Toronto ahead of Calgary. Well, I mean, they just beat them. Sorry, they just, they just beat- went in and beat them in Calgary. Yeah. I mean, how do you have them below them? Sorry, I, I mean, this well, is the whole thing yeah, yeah. about power rankings after one week. I mean, does anyone think that Ottawa is better than Edmonton? I mean, I don't. But they just beat them. And the scoreboard is what matters. So at least for one week, Ottawa should be up. I mean, they're not going to be in the playoffs. So at least give them a little bit of love after a 1-0 start of the power rankings even if they only threw for 70 yards while doing it. Yeah, sorry, it might have been another one. I looked at it, and then I forget what I saw. It's funny, we were going to guess the lines. i got to be honest. I went to CFL.ca to confirm the matchups, and um, I ended up seeing the lines from their gambling provider. So okay, have I, you have you have you have you put your guesses? I should have wrote down my I should have wrote down my guesses. I didn't I didn't write down any guesses. So well, I kinda, I'll tell you what I kind of screwed oh, oh. myself. Okay, well, I let, let's see. I will do mine, but and this, then yeah, this is just then, one bookmaker's provider. Okay, do, well, our, we can do our horse com- picks. Com- compare them to that. Okay, do you want to do the horse picks first, and then we'll finish? Yeah, with the do guess the horse lines? picks because we got to we got to wrap up. Um, soon. Yeah, we, we we do. Oh, and by the way, um, big guest tomorrow on the program. Blue Bombers quarterback Zach Caleros is going to join us. Really looking forward uh, about that. So, um, so listen quickly. Let's get to the horse picks, Remo. Uh, I am on number five, Aniar in race number one. Uh, he's got a, a nice looking coming in at four to one, a second place uh, so far this year. Uh, gonna go in number two on a parlay with number two, True Scout. And number six, who wants a cold one? Love that name. And, uh, oh, coming back up from a second-place spot, so that's pretty good. I'm going to skip race. Actually, no, we're going to go with Wits Girl, number six to win in race number three. And then we'll go to race number four and pop it in. We'll go with the triactor wheel on this one. We're going to go with Muskoka, which is number one. Right of Vengeance, which is number three. And our final one, how about Rascal Candy at number six? So a 136 Triactor box, that's a $6 bet. We'll put those down. So I'll put 20 bucks over those three bets. That's where I'm going. Uh, Remo, where are you going? All right, I am going with, I'll give you my picks, right? I only went with the best named horses, this one. Uh, Let's see, race, I'll go race two. Uh, horse six to show who wants a cold one, Huss. I had to bet on a horse with that. Oh, yeah. Great name. Who wants a cold one? And here, let me switch this view. We are rocking horse or sorry, race five or six to win or six. Drizzy. Big fan of Drizzy. He's won for me. I had to bet on, (laughs) on Drizzy. Okay. Race six, a four, five Quinella. So that's major Munnings and half in the wrapper. I know we've seen half in the wrapper on here a bit, but this is my this is my lock. This is my lock. lock. Uh, Remy Rising Star. It's not quite Remo, but it's Remy, and people have <laughs> called me that before. So Remy Rising Star uh, to win. 
And that is that's a that is a program selection too. It's not just me taking a long shot. So I'm going with Remy as a, as a pick. All right. If you want to bet with us, folks, hpibet.com. Um, but of course, I'd suggest heading out to the track and doing it with your uh, doing it yourself. There should be a great couple nights for live racing at a Cinevoya Downs this week. All right. Before we go, we don't have official lines yet, but I do sort of want to guess the lines. We had a fun time doing this last week, and it's a nice exercise. Remo, first game, we've got BC at Calgary. That is Thursday night's game. I am guessing that Calgary will be favored by six points. What uh, what okay. was the what was the number? I don't know if this is real. If this is the number that comes out on a site I bet on, I will bet on it immediately. According to Bet Regal, which is the official CFL odds maker, it is beat Calgary is favored by one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what it says it says on cfl.ca odds powered by Be- I don't know what bet regal is I'm taking out a loan yeah. I mean they have, they're they starting the Canadian QB at uh, yeah. what's Rourke. his name Nathan yeah. Rourke Nathan yeah I knew his name is Nathan sorry I forgot Nathan Rourke okay. he's supposed to be starting so no, I don't know interesting. I, I have no idea how they came up with that line but well, I would and, bet that immediately and, I, and I'm not even sure like I'd never heard of Bet Regal before, and maybe it's a new player trying to get into the space, but it's quite clear that their bookies do not have a lot of experience with the Canadian Football League. But that can be a big benefit to the better. So we'll see what happens with the Cool Bet line and all the other lines I'll wait when for, it yeah, actually cool comes bet, out yeah. with all the others. That is amazing. Uh, I've got Bombers laying seven at home mm-hmm. against the Toronto Argonauts. Yeah, that's what um, that's what they had. They had uh, Bombers minus eight. On the CFL. Bombas, this is CFL.ca. So I was going to make my own. I should have just done it without looking. But I went to look at the matchups at CFL.ca. And I'm like, oh, shit. They have, they have <laughs> the lines right there on the damn <laughs> website. So they're they're really going with this partnership with uh, Bear Regal. Well, I guess that's what they're paying for. Uh, third game, Montreal at Edmonton. First game for Vernon Adams Jr. in the Alouettes. Edmonton is at home. I have got uh, the Elks minus four. Uh, he, they have Montreal plus, or sorry, Elks minus one and a half. Elks minus one and a half. Okay. Minus one and a half. So it's essentially saying that Alouettes would be a one and a half point favorite on a neutral field. Interesting. And then this was the tough one. Yeah, this Hamilton at Saskatchewan. Hamilton coming off a tough loss, but is the Grey Cup favorite. And I don't know what we take from Saskatchewan. They lit up BC for a half and then couldn't do anything for the second half. I'm saying Hamilton's going to be laying two points on the road, two point road favorites. You're pretty much. Oh no. Saskatchewan is a one and a half point favorite is what this mm-hmm. bet Regal has. So interesting. I uh, will see what well, cool bet comes out with. I want to see the over unders when I make my fantasy lineups. We do already have our, we did our CFL DraftKings league. It's half filled right now. Uh, 20 spots. So I put the link up before we'll tweet it. We'll tweet it out, but. If you want to invite, give us your username, tweet at us, or type it in in chat, and I'll throw another link in there. You got it. All right, folks, listen. uh, Yeah, I'll be looking for that Ticats money line immediately if they are an underdog and uh, and hitting that pretty hard. We're going to be talking about it in the lock shop tomorrow. You can tune in. We'll get going live at about 11.45 before we're live on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Tomorrow, going to have a great show, including Bomber quarterback Zach Caleros. 
And uh, we do have to thank Jeff Hamilton, who joined us. Uh, Manny Arsenault, in and out. Not our best interview, but the reception was tough. And Chris Peters <laughs> for some great prospect talk. It, Manny was talking and driving, and I was like, well, if something happens, I'm going to feel <laughs> responsible here. And I don't, I, I had a very uneasy feeling. And he messaged me after, he's like, you know, the reception here in, uh, in the country is kind of spotty. So, yeah, well, no kidding, Manny. <laughs> we yeah. found that out. We, we didn't need, a, didn't need a, a, an update on that. I could have um, called, but it was, I didn't have his phone number. I could have called. He gave it to me, but it was by then it was too late. Was, yeah, at some point, at some uh, point, we'll get Manny on back. He is a great, great interview, though, a real fun guy. And who knows? We'll see whether he ends up back in the Canadian football league anytime soon. Um, do you want to thank Canadian Club? Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Paramount Services Limited, Assiniboy Downs Live Racing tonight gets going at 7.30 p.m. And, of course, Breezy Bend Country Club and Cool Bet Canada. Use promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. That is going to do it for us. Zach Caleros is coming up tomorrow, everybody. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Make sure to hit that thumbs up and subscribe button on your way out. And we'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live every afternoon here on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.